my Lord, weeping may endure for a night. Keep the faith. It will be all right. I'm so glad trouble don't last always. I know somebody over there just turned over the table running because you had a problem last night and you woke up today and everything seemed to be better. It might not be all right, but it's better. Because of that, you know that God did what God does in the time when you couldn't do anything. So God bless you this morning. I'm so glad that you've come and joined us in this wonderful, wonderful experience. I know, I know things have been different these last few days, but God is still in charge, still able to take care of everything. We've made a switch in our preaching agenda here at 45th Street. Last month, for the month of May, we concentrated on what I thought was a very important topic to preach about, and that was women in the Bible. We tried to concentrate on various women who, some who got little note in our preaching as time goes, or in our teaching. And it's our prayer that that's been beneficial to you. But this week, this month, sorry, we're going to make a turn. And we're going to concentrate on, on daddies, on fathers this month. I can tell you this right now. While the Bible was written by men, we don't do a whole lot of talking about fathers. And so we decided this month that we would have a conversation uh, centered on fatherhood. In fact, we call the sermon series The Shades of Fatherhood. And because it's such a complex uh, topic, I wouldn't dare do all the talking and teaching myself. And so we're inviting some other fathers. All fathers are going to come talk to you uh, this month. And we've invited some other fathers to come in and share their voices about what fatherhood says uh, to them and what scripture says from their perspective. There are a lot of textures to fatherhood because there's so many textures, there have to be multiple voices. Um, not only are we going to do it on Sunday mornings, we're also going to take our, our time on Wednesday, after, on Wednesday evening when we normally do our Bible study. And we're going to turn our Bible study into a street talk edition. And we're going to have some conversations with some fathers about the issues that are, we're plagued with right now and that we're dealing with. And so please look forward to not just Sunday morning, but also look forward to Wednesday evenings coming and sharing uh, with a street talk edition. And, and of course, while I normally do the Bible study, we'll also have guests and guest hosts during that time. So look forward to more information coming out each and every day. Pay attention to all of the mediums of communication, email, text, uh, make sure you check out our webpage and look at the announcements. Uh, we're sending it out. Use our Pray app. We send a lot of information out on that, and we'll be in touch with you. But today, today we want to turn our attention to um, a message on, on fatherhood. And I, I, believe, I believe that the best way to start out a, a conversation in church is to see what the Lord says about it. There's no father like him because he's the ultimate father. It seems to me that we ought to start talking about fatherhood from his perspective. And so today I'd ask you if you have your Bible to turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read right there just two short verses that I believe give us clear indication of what God the Father believes about fatherhood. Can I set the scene for you? 
There's a baptism going on. But it's not a normal baptism as baptisms go. The one being baptized this day is the one who came to make baptism meaningful. And so when he comes to the baptism area, he's greeted by his cousin, John the Baptist. John is there baptizing people and telling them that they need to repent. And he sees this man come over the horizon and instantly this man, John, who has recognized his cousin's presence since he was in utero, realizes that a moment in time has come when he has to fulfill one of his duties, and that is to use his baptismal pool as an example by baptizing the Christ. And so the one who's coming down into the pool is Jesus Christ. And he steps down into the pool, and John first is nervous to baptize him. And he said, you ought to be baptizing me, Jesus, because I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus said to him, suffer it to be so. In other words, do your job right now so others can see the meaning of this ritual. Verse verse 16 picks up the action in chapter 3 by saying, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Watch this now. At that moment, heaven was opened. Oh, if we could have been there that day. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Watch this now. Verse 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, I don't know about you, but that just gives me chills just thinking about the notion that God spoke down into this fear, into his creation. But the moment that he chose to do so, involved his son. That ought to tell you right there how important fatherhood is. In other words, God broke heaven open to let the world know who his son was. Somebody ought to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I want the world to know who my son is, who my child is. In 19, in a few years ago, one of the famous singers of our time put out a new album. It immediately garnered critical acclaim, high social acclaim because of the biting lyrics, because of her voice, because she is just who she is. Beyonce put out an album called Lemonade but lost in all of the top cover tunes was a song on that album that Beyonce wrote. She paired with a group that had been around for a while named the Dixie Chicks. Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks created a Zydeco country hybrid song, but the name of it was Gripping. 
and telling and helpful for our service today. The name of the song was Daddy Lessons. Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks chose that medium for Queen Bay to use her musical versatility to talk about the importance of her dad. If you don't know the story, you know her daddy was uh, an office and mechanical equipment salesman who knew he had a child at home that had a gift. And even though he was taking care of the family by selling that equipment, he realized that he couldn't put her out there by himself, by herself. And so he quit his job and became the manager for her and a group of her friends. You know him as Destiny's Child. And the rest is history. Okay. Yeah, he left. He made a sacrifice for his child. Obviously, that sacrifice played off multiple fold. But the song she wrote talked about the strength she got from her, her daddy. She describes her daddy as one who taught her about motorcycles, religion, guns, and music. And she also testified in that song, Daddy Lessons, that he made her tough. And he prepared her to be able to take care of her mother and young sister should the need ever arise arise those daddy lessons and so i wonder what kind of lessons you've learned from your dad if you even had the opportunity to be around him did he share some things with you that you carry now into your own adulthood today i want to talk for just a little while from the subject daddy lessons i want to use the scripture that we found about Jesus and his father. There was a gentleman named Gordon Dabney. And he wrote a book called Healing of the Masculine Soul. And within that book, he told the story of a Catholic nun who had devoted herself to working in a, a prison. One day she was approached by one of the inmates in the prison, Casanova, and he had one simple request. He said, can you get me a greeting card so I can send my mama a happy Mother's Day card. This is from inside the prison. That's all he wanted. And so she did. She found a card for him to send. But before that prisoner could get that card out to his mama, word in the prison had spread. And before long, she was inundated with requests from prisoners in the prison asking for cars to send home to their mom. So many requests that there's no way she could go to the local stores and get enough of them. And so she had the bright idea to contact Hallmark. And when she told Hallmark exactly what was going on, Hallmark sent her boxes of Mother's Day cards that she could give out to the prisoners so they could send to their mothers. Well, it makes sense that after Mother's Day, and the success of Mother's Day, that Father's Day came right on the horizon. And getting ahead of the expectant train, she contacted Hallmark again. And guess what? She had cards donated again for Father's Day. The warden announced to all the prisoners that the free cards, free cards were available for the prisoners to send to their fathers. And to his great surprise, not one single prisoner asked for a car. 
to send to his father. Not one single prisoner. And the reason is the majority of the men in prison didn't have a healthy relationship with their fathers. That's the environment that we find ourselves working in. We got some work to do. We got some stories to tell because not everybody is in that place. Society has given the impression that those who have become fathers have done so begrudgingly. They're unwilling participants in a process. That they become somehow trapped. You and I both know that's clearly not the case. For anyone who truly understood fatherhood and the joy that comes with it, they would stand here like me and say that of all the positions and places and things that I've been honored to do in these 55 years, I can tell you that there is not one greater than me being a father. Not just a father, but also a father figure. It's the most honorable position that I've ever had and the one that carries the greatest weight. The Bible says this, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. And like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. So here we have Jesus. He's just been baptized by his cousin, John. We call him John the Baptist or the baptizer. And as soon as Jesus is baptized, God doesn't waste any time in letting folk know where he stands on this process. Why is this important? Why is it important? Why is it important that we talk about him and what he's done under those circumstances? Why is it important that we share how God reacted to his son being baptized that day? Well, first of all, you should know this, that God is not merely like a father. God is a father. So he's not playing a role. This is actually who he is. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so how he responds to his son is extremely instructive of how you and I should deal with our own children. Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me here. Just because you aren't a father doesn't mean this message doesn't pertain to you. All right? And the truth be told, everybody can glean something from this, from this message, not just men, but women as well. You may have never thought about it this way, but you may be the best example some child has of what a father is. If they've never had a relationship or a healthy relationship with their own father, you may be their example, whether or not you are related to them. You can maybe be their mentor. They may just look to you and how you interact with people and know that that's how good people are supposed to look. The best example some of them have of being a father may be this man who's simply their next door neighbor and how he interacts with their mother and how he treats other people in the community. You may be playing a role to an audience you can't even see. And so it's important that you also understand how important it is to be a father figure. What's the first thing that God does? As soon as Jesus Christ is baptized, the first thing he does is open heaven and makes an announcement. In other words, he lets everybody know right away, I'm announcing that this is my child. 
I don't know a man who's had a child who's right in his thinking, who's not proud to tell everybody. You've seen the story of the man running around with cigars, used to be real cigars, now it's bubblegum cigars. They used to sell them down in the, in the gift shop. You could go down and get them pink or blue, but you want everybody to know that I got a child now. It's important that you let them know. You also want the world to know that make no mistake about it, Make no mistake about it, this is my child right here. And God is saying, my son. In other words, I'm not ashamed of what's going on right here. I'm proud of what's going on right here. Man shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be ashamed of his children. Watch this. You can write this down. Conception has nothing to do with parentage. Conception and parentage are two separate things. Don't blame the child for the way they came here. That has something to do with two adults. But conception and parenting are two separate things. Don't make a child believe from the very beginning of their life that they are a regret. I can tell you right now, as one who stands in this space personally, I met my father when I was, my biological father, when I was 26 years old. That's a whole lot of ground to make up. 26 years. By this time, I was a father myself, twice over, married, working. That's a whole lot of ground to make up right there for us to start out with the bouncing on the knee thing. And I can tell you right now, you need to understand, while it's not impossible for us to get right and to get better, it's very difficult under those circumstances for us to get to a space where we need to be. Not only that, I had someone who stood in, and I always give him credit. During that period of time, he stood in as the father. And I'll give him the credit for being there in that space and doing the job that had to be done. But what example, what announcement has you, have you made? Look at this now, 26 years before anybody knew that we were father and son. That's a long time. Fortunately, I had somebody in that space. But imagine all the children who have no one in that space, who don't know anybody, who can't call on anybody, who get the teasing in the community, because being connected to somebody is important. Having a name means something. Having a heritage means something. And so God doesn't waste any time in saying, this is my son. Not only that, children need constant affirmation from their parents. And they usually will live up to your estimation of their worth. If you think they're much, they will act like they're much. If you think they're not much at all, that's usually what you get in return. I've noticed this and watching my children and my grandchildren, that the things that are done by parents when babies are infants, arm babies, carry over into their lives. The personalities, relationships that are developed in those first months and years are dispositive of relationships many years down the road. I've seen it too many times that a child who has music played constantly, that's held by a father, or a mother during that time that you sing to will grow up with songs in their heart, will grow up singing. And I'm just foolish enough to believe 
that a man who holds his baby when he's an infant, who whispers to him, I love you, who whispers to him great things, will see that grow up in that child as they go along. Father, first of all, announces his son. But not only does he announce him, it's clear to me by reading this scripture that the father adores his son. Oh, yeah, 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 adores him. Why? Because he calls him beloved. Yeah, and beloved simply means one who is dearly loved. Children can live without a lot of things, but love isn't one of them. Love is as essential to a child's well-being as food. Perhaps the greatest gift that a parent can ever give a child, besides the knowledge of the Lord, is the knowledge that they are loved unconditionally. There's a whole lot you can do when you know somebody loves you. When you know somebody cares about you, you can grow into the strength of who you are. You can make mistakes in life, which you surely will, when you know your love. Yeah, you can become who you're intended to be in life and maybe even exceed expectations because somebody creates an environment of love. Can I tell you what doesn't make children right? Just buying them things. Things don't make children feel loved. Things break. And so if things are the connection that you have to your child, what happens when the thing you gave them breaks? How does that affect the relationship? Not only does it break, but because you spend so much money on it, you can't go get enough. How does that affect your relationship? More of you and less of that, father adores his son. And one of the best ways for you to demonstrate godliness to your child is for you to love them unconditionally. Watch this now. Unconditionally is a big word. Unconditionally is a big word because unconditional love means when they mess up, they still know you love them. Unconditionally means you don't keep hanging stuff over their head. Unconditionally means that you know how to love them through the problems they have. Unconditionally means that they know if nobody else in the world is for them, they can depend on their father to be for them. We need to love them like God loves us. And so when God announces immediately, this is my son, when he shows immediately through his words that I adore him and I love him, of course he loves him. He opened heaven to tell everybody that this is the one. You and I both know families where there are parents and children who are on the outs. It shouldn't be that way. Now, 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 look, let me say this. I know children can do some awful things. And I know children can get in some awful spots. And I know children can make a mockery of all that their parents intended them to do. And I know that's a hurtful place to be in. And I'm not sitting here sitting in judgment of anybody and what you've been through with your children. All I'm telling you is there's a way you can love your child unconditionally without supporting the junk they've gotten themselves into. And that's what's expected. By the way, genuine love is not afraid of being expressed. For some reason, there's this notion in our community that in order to be a man-man, you can't be emotional or affectionate. You can't hug or touch your children. Can I tell you right now, 
we as human beings were designed, we were made to have physical interaction with folk. You know, we were designed, in fact, one of the things that COVID has done is put us in an emotional space where we are starving for fellowship. Amen. And there's nothing like church that brings that fellowship in. But church is simply another example of home. And some of us were starving at home for emotional contact before church ever got in this situation. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these families where folk don't even never lift their hand like they're going to hug each other. You can tell the houses you go to where hugging is the norm because when you come in there, they hug you. You might not even be a part of the family. You're just a friend, but every time you go over there, mama hug you, baby, how you been? As if you've never left or you've always been a part of the family. Hug them. It's not unmanly to hug your children and teach them to hug. Show them the kind of love also that goes beyond circumstances. You mad at your spouse? That shouldn't get in the way of how you deal with your children. You mad with the baby's mama, whether y'all together or not, that should not get in the way of how you deal with the children. That anger shouldn't spill over into that relationship. Frustrated on your job? What's the child got to do with that? Bad grades in school? Well, what double trouble it is for me to have bad grades in school and then come home and get bad marks in my relationship with my mom and daddy. Maybe your child just needs a little extra help. I don't care that you always want the spelling bee. That doesn't matter. Your child might not have that giftedness, may not have discovered that yet. It's important for you to nurture them through those problems. And can I tell you this? Many a child has given up on school because their parent has given up on them. Many a child has struggled in school because you just don't understand why they can't understand what they're telling them in school. Many an adult has realized in hindsight that they had dyslexia or some learning disability, but they struggled through it their whole life and they did not have parents who were compassionate enough to understand what was going on and because they didn't have that kind of environment, they're less than they could be, and they're struggling. And they hated school, and so some of them dropped out and took other routes. How you deal with your children, how you nurture and love your children has a lot to do with how they see themselves and how they grow up. Don't ever be too stuffy, unemotional to respond to your children in a genuine display of love. I know, I know, some of us don't know how to do it, because it's never been done to us. We've never had that example. But there are a whole lot of things in life nobody's ever shown us, but we figured it out. And I can tell you there's nothing more natural than learning how to love your own child. Guess what? They're not going to judge you on style points. All they know is that you make me feel good when I'm with you. I feel safe when I'm with you. I know you're going to protect me. That's the kind of love that these children need to have. Can I tell you this? That was a young man who, when he was six years old, was fond of writing and drawing, as most six-year-olds are. And he expressed himself by using the things that he learned in school. And so one year around Valentine's, instead of his mama buying the cutout Valentine's, he wanted to make his own. And so he did. And while he was making one for those who were in his class, he also made one for his mom and dad. 
And so he made deliberately, took time, pain, to make one for his daddy. And he folded it in half and he wrote, I love you on the outside. Put his dad's name on it and he set it on his daddy's dressing. And he had made it for him and he was proud of himself. He anticipated the response that his daddy would come back to him with. But the next afternoon, after his daddy hadn't said anything, he went back in his daddy's room and he found the valentine in the wastebasket. And he said to himself, this has to be a mistake. Daddy must have confused this with some of the mail that mama brought in here to him. And so he sat down again and he drew him another valentine. And he put it right back on the dresser, anticipating that his daddy would come in and love him and hug him and adore him as he had seen so many others do. But if, alas, he came back and found that the card was in the garbage can. So you can't imagine how dejected he was. He said he must not have liked it. Maybe I didn't do it good enough. Because this is what a six-year-old thinks. Must be my fault. And so one more time, he tried to draw it. It was that day that the daddy called him in. And he figured, I must be in trouble. Because daddy called me in here. And daddy said, will you please quit putting them cards on my dresser? I already know you love me. Can I tell you something? Daddy missed the whole point. Daddy missed the whole point. It wasn't that the child didn't think his daddy loved him, but expressing love is a regular occurrence. You can't do it once for all somebody's life. You don't harm yourself or your child by telling them you love them every single day. In fact, I tell you, you ought to make that a habit. When you leave their presence, you ought to tell them, I love you. When they come into your presence, good morning, I love you today. There's nothing wrong with inundating your child. But that day, that child learned that there was a limit on expression of love from his daddy. And he was hurt behind it, and he was angry, and he didn't understand why his daddy didn't reach out to him. Now frame this, if your daddy is your greatest example of how God in heaven is, and that daddy has a limitation on how he expresses his love, how must that affect your relationship with God in heaven whom you can't see? If you want your children to have a good relationship with the Lord, then you have to Teach them how to have a regular interaction in love with the Lord. And so the father announced his son. The father adores his son. And guess what? This is hard, but a father's got to learn how to accept his son. And that's what he did. The father said, watch this, Cass. He said, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased with my son. When was the last time you heard, your children heard from you, I'm well pleased? Might not like what you're doing, but I'm well pleased with you. When was the last time we got so many preconceived notions of what our children are going to be? I'm so tired of hearing parents tell their children, you're going to make me rich one day. I'm so tired of that kind of pressure being put on children that they have to excel in this medium or that medium so that in the end, the child can be wealthy and the child can be wealthy. Can I tell you something? And the parent can be with. Can I tell you something? That's not a child's responsibility. A child's responsibility is to be what they can be. 
not what you need them to be. If by chance they get to a place and the Lord blesses them down the road, the road with material benefits, that's not so life can be easier for you. That's not God's purpose in that. No, 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 no. Now, can I tell you something? If you love them enough, if you adore them enough, there's nothing they're not going to do for you anyway. But you're not making that investment in them so they can make a return on you. It's not like stock. You have to love them enough to be the best they can be. And if you deposit enough love in their hearts, you don't have to worry about what happens down the road. Look, when he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, what he's really saying is, I approve of him. I approve of him. He looked at the man Jesus Christ had become. Watch this now. God had sent Jesus Christ to us as a baby in utero through Mary. This was 33 years later. And he had deposited him in the home of a man named Joseph. And through all that process, God is saying, I'm proud of what these 33 years have brought you to. It's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he said, I approve of you, my son. Now, you and I both know that everybody's child doesn't turn out right. Not exactly like they want them to anyway. We can't live in a fantasy world. And, and think that when it comes to our own children, if they don't do exactly like we want them to, we have the ability to reject them. They're going to make mistakes. Because you did as well. And in fact, when they make mistakes is the time they need you more than anything. They may not dress right. They may not look right. They may not be as socially accepted by other children as you were. You may have been in the in crowd. They may be in the out crowd. There's no way you can make their life a replica of your life, and yet we try. There's so many things that can go wrong with our ideas for their life. But in the end, what really matters is that they become the best version of themselves they can be, that they can love themselves healthily, that they can take care of themselves in a healthy manner. That's what's important for our children. There's a word here from children too now. Watch this. Because if you're going to live a life like the devil, you shouldn't expect your parents to support that in all you do. You just can't be out there in the world knowing your upbringing and expect your parents are going to sign off on that. That's not reasonable, nor is it to be expected. Don't hold over your children their past either. Sometimes children can't ever get beyond what they used to be in a parent's eyesight. One minister went to visit a child who had helped to be placed with a gentleman when he was just an infant, I mean, just a little toddler. And when he came, the child was basically living on the street. But he found a good home for him. And so the minister kept up with him through the years. And one day on his visit, he came in and the father who had adopted him and the child was sitting there. And the child was in a good space. But he noticed there in the house, there was a pair of little old ragged shoes. And he noticed that those were the shoes that the boy had when he came and placed him that time. And he said, to him, what's the meaning of the shoes? And the daddy said, well, those are the shoes that Fred was wearing when I, when I got him. And I, I just don't ever want him to forget where he came from and how much he's been blessed. 
And the preacher had to take him aside and said, while it's good to be reminded where you come from, it's not something to hang over your head. There's something you need to know. God brought you all this way, not for you to keep looking back on where you came from, but he wants you looking forward on where he wants you to go. Don't keep dragging old shoes out in your child's life. Don't keep dragging out stuff they've done before so that you can remind them how good you've been to them. Because if God starts dragging out stuff he's done for us, you and I might be weighted down by so much that we'll never get ahead. Do your children a favor when you, when you offer them an approval of their sinful ways. Say it and move on. Don't paint it in vivid color because I don't want to see a DVD of my wrongs I did back in the day. Not only did the father announce his son and adore his son and accept his son, but lastly, he apprenticed his son. Can I tell you? He gave him some work to do. He gave him meaningful work. He showed him something to do. He brought him into the family business and taught him how to help other folk and to come and fulfill the mission. Watch this now. Yeah. Jesus got it early, too. Even though he was living in Joseph's house, he understood the duality of his jobs. Not only did Joseph teach him carpentry, but after he had gone to the temple with his father and his mother and got left behind for three days, his biological mama came and said, where were you? And Jesus had no problem at a young age turning to his mom and said, I was about my father's business because I know why I came here. I came here to let them know that he loves them. And I, I am, he was too early for him to say, I am the truth, the light, and the way. But that's my daddy's business. Jesus is telling us, and this scene is telling us, that if you want your children to have a meaningful life, teach them how to do something. Teach them how to work with their hands in some meaningful way. There's no way that the business of your house should escape them. There's no way that if you got a craft, they shouldn't understand that craft. There's no way that you got a trade, they shouldn't understand that trade. They may not decide to do it, but I bet I can tell you this, they're going to pick up something from it. My children used to tell me without a doubt, I don't want to be no lawyer. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Based on what they saw me ripping and running, always tired, never sitting down. Being a lawyer didn't look good, but I guarantee you all of them can talk. They can all run their mouths. They picked that part up about being a lawyer. They may have rejected the profession, but they ain't rejecting the, the talk that comes from being a lawyer. I can tell you, they're going to pick something up from you. Not only that, they all know how to take care of their children. They know how to take care of their homes. They're going to pick something up from you. There's no wholesale rejection on me. Maybe at this point I don't want to be no lawyer myself. But can I tell you, being a lawyer fed them, took care of them. And there was nothing that was not honorable about it. Can I tell you this also? Even more than being a lawyer, I can tell you, all of them are ministers. Oh, yeah, they had that pattern in front of them. You don't have to stand in the pulpit and proclaim the word on Sunday in order to be a minister. You can be a minister wherever you are. You can be a minister of song, and you'll teach your children that. You can be a minister of hospitality. You can be a minister of grace and of health. You can be a minister in so many ways. And if that's what the family picked up from me, then to God be the glory. That means I've taught the world that I, I want my children to be out there on the battlefield for my Lord. And they're all out there right now. Can I tell you, they may not have been apprenticed at the bar, 
but they are apprenticed in the Lord at the altar. Let me ask you this question. Have your children picked up from you something that lets them know how to take care of themselves? Talk about the Lord. You ought to be teaching them how good he is. You ought to be telling them that that same Jesus who saved you and rescued you from what you were has also been there for them as well. You ought to be teaching them that. Have you done it? Let them know that Jesus came into this world to live for them and to die for them. Let them know that you love them and you love Jesus as well. Let them know that there's never been a day in their life that you haven't adored them. Let them know that they can go far and wide in the world, but there's no place like home. Let them know that they can always come back to you. It's amazing how children and parents have different perspectives on things. There's a historic story about John Adams, I'm, I'm sorry, Charles Adams, who was one of the presidents of the United States. He was the son of President John Quincy Adams. Both of them went on a, they went on a fishing trip one day. That means I'm supposed to be finished right now. They went on a fishing trip one day. Both of them recorded in their diary how the fishing trip went. The recording from that day in the historic uh, 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 diary of President John Adams, he said, went fishing with my son today, a day completely wasted. <laughs> but in his son's diary, the same day, the entry was, went fishing with my father today. It was the most wonderful day of my life. Can I tell you, they don't always get what you get out of it. But as long as you make yourself available, and even though he was only a child, clearly he was paying attention to his daddy because as a child, he figured out what he had to do when he became an adult to also be the president of the United States as well. So he was looking and learning. What's your child learning from you? Do they know Jesus? Do they know that you love Jesus? Do they know that you care about Jesus? Do, you know that, do they know that you gave your life to Jesus? Have they seen you praying? Have they seen you crying? Have they seen you going through all of the relationship with the Lord? If not, it's time that you start teaching them those daddy lessons. God gave us the blueprint. Pass it on to your children. Can I tell you, he loves you. Right now, if you've never accepted Christ in your own personal life, now's the time for you, right now, to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just bow your head and admit that you're a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner and I realize today that I may not have been going on the right way. I realize that the decisions I've been making have not been for the betterment of myself or my family. I realize that I need someone like you in my life and so I give myself to you right now. I recognize my sinful ways and I need you to be my savior. Not only that, Lord, please be my guide as I move forward. Direct me. Give me all that I need in order to be the best person, the best parent I can be. Lord, bless me. Keep me and strengthen me. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name, your name that I pray. Amen. Amen.